everyone, it's Judy Warner. Welcome back to day three of our Design Con tailgate party. Today we'll be pre-gaming with a Silicon Valley startup, Avish Tech. Lee Ritchie, who has been closely associated with technology, has actually endorsed this product because he believes the time has come to be able to characterize and simulate PCB stackups so you don't have to play whack-a-mole and troubleshooting your designs once you've built them and populated them. We're going to have a really robust discussion about why this is important, and I hope you will go see them at their booth at DesignCon. I hope you'll enjoy getting to know these up-and-comers, and we look forward to seeing you at DesignCon. Now let's jump into our conversation with Lee, Keshav, and Tarun. Well, hello, gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining me today. Why don't we first start by introducing all of you to our audience? Uh, let's start with you, Lee. My name is Lee Ritchie. I'm president of Speeding Edge, uh, a consulting company, uh, as well as a training company. And uh, my background is microwave engineer originally on the Apollo program. Uh, happened to be in Silicon Valley when it began to be Silicon Valley. And we, I went from there to designing supercomputers, which is kind of a leap. And uh, that's where we had to drive the technology, meaning materials and board fab and that kind of thing. And, uh, and early on, uh, we only cared about impedance. And of course, that long ago, it hasn't faded in the background, but it's not the, not the hardest problem to solve right now with materials. The other things that are an issue, and this has to do with really stack-up design, which is what this tool is all about, uh, originally, we, we only worried about impedance, and most everyone let the fab shop do that calculation because it was easy for, for engineers to put that task on the fab shop. And it worked okay, except that as time went by, we demanded more of the boards than just impedance. And right now, where we are is we worry about skew and differential pairs, uh, loss in the path, a uh, big driver is power delivery, which means that the stack up has got to be more carefully engineered than in the past. And most of the things that we're talking about here, the fab shop could never help you with. And so what, and I teach my classes, I tell the engineers that you have to take charge of stack up design to make sure that all these things are accounted for. And that then causes another problem, which is we used to let the fab shop worry about manufacturability, things like resin stop and do you have enough resin to fill the voids in adjacent layers and all those things. Well, if, if the design engineer is doing the stack up now, he's got to worry about manufacturability. And that means you got to worry about are your vias going to fail? Are you going to have enough resin? That kind of thing. And that's kind of where this tool comes in. That's the reason that I'm interested in it. There are lots of ways to design impedance, but there's only one that helps you with manufacturability. And so that's why I'm kind of a part of this picture is because now we, we engineers have got to worry about that. And we need a tool that helps us. That's who Indeed. I am and what, what I do. What you're up to. Okay, well, uh, Keshev and Tarun, you are obviously the founders and developers of Avistex Technology. So, um, Tarun, why don't you introduce yourself 
And and then I'm going to come back to you and ask you, just do your intros, and then I'll come back and, and then ask you to dig deeper into the technology. Tarun, you, you kick off. Yeah, so uh, I'm Tarun Amla. I'm the co-founder and chief technology officer for Avistech. Uh, I've been in the industry for over three decades um, on the material side and before working full-time on Avistech, I was EVP and CTO for iTech. Uh, developed their products, uh, which is one of the largest material suppliers for the PCB industry. Before that, I was CTO for uh, Shangi. And before that, with uh, for a long time with Isola, which was previously Allied Signal Honeywell as their CTO for their laminate business, for copper clad laminate business. So as far as my educational background, I'm a mechanical engineer. I hold a doctorate in mechanical engineering but I've also got a master's in electrical engineering from Stanford and uh, have and an MBA as well, but I have a strong emphasis on computation uh, in computational mechanics, uh, which I did from uh, Purdue and modeling and simulation. So it kind of uh, dovetails with uh, what basically led to the creation of the software is the materials synthesis of materials background, computational skills. And of course, combined with Keshav's background. So I'll turn it over to Keshav to introduce himself. Yeah. So uh, I'm the founder and CEO of Avish Tech. Uh, and my background is that uh, I, I'm also a mechanical engineer. My, I did my undergrad in mechanical engineering from Caltech uh, before starting my graduate work at, at Stanford. Uh, I completed my master's in material science and engineering. Uh, there and was working on my PhD in mechanical engineering, uh, but I left the program to work full time on uh, on our Gauss offerings from from Avish Tech, uh, and uh, we'll we'll dig a little deeper into into all of that. But basically, uh, as Thanon said, between our backgrounds, uh, we were able to really approach this, uh, and, and we were uniquely qualified to to do this because of. Basically, the major problems facing the printed circuit board industry require uh, synthesis of, of several different disciplines, and, mm -hmm. and we had that background that was necessary. Well, I always love when I hear that message, where the rubber meets the road, which is where I think Avish Tech is, is one, I'm always keeping my eyes on innovative companies like Avish Tech because there are so many disconnects in the disciplines that, as you all know, <laughs> we have all the scars to prove it, right? Um, and, and I love the idea right. that you're bringing some of that intelligence to engineers. So Tarun, as, you know, 30 years in the industry, you know, academic cres, but, you know, doing all the work that you did, what was it that you sort of observed that were pervasive problems um, specifically around materials and, and the way stackups were being modeled and or not modeled <laughs> yeah so i've you know like i said i've been in the industry for a long time the main issue that i saw was the way the design process worked and, uh, you know just to look at material selection alone it was a highly frustrating process and uh, you know this could this was so onerous it could take several years in most cases, you'd find out uh, that, you know, simple things, uh, just the stack up itself could lead to failures and uh, in, the, in the qualification process. And that was 
something that you could that I always felt that why can't that be modeled? Why can't that be simulated? Because if you could, then there'd be a lot of heartache and uh, other issues you could avoid just by following that simulation process and then making sure that your design worked. Like you know, Lee alluded to mm -hmm. glass top. That would be a major issue in most of the cases. Calf. Uh, that could be avoided just by simple tweaks to your stack up uh, and uh, by the selection of the proper materials. And then there were other things like thermal reliability. And, uh, you know, so these are the things that are not looked at uh, right at the outset. So uh, look at impedance, then you say, well, it's off to the races, but that doesn't uh, work because the board that has to, uh, you know, uh, satisfy a function has to also satisfy other requirements. And so we thought we needed a, uh, a holistic approach to design process. And that's why, you know, kind of led us to look in this direction and try to f figure out how this can, and it's a pervasive problem. It's everywhere, you know, and the process is such now that the level of frustration is so high that they test it, build boards, and accept it when it passes. So you might have seven or 10 failures prior to that. The moment you get a success, you run with it. So which you know is not a very reliable mm -hmm. way of doing things. And especially now, there is very little margin for any of these things. And uh, so very subtle changes in your stack, in your materials, in your processes can lead to major problems. And it's hidden because nobody talks about it. When you look at semiconductors, yes, uh, any time there's an issue, people hear about it. But this is kind of approached as the cost of doing business. And it's kind of expected that it'll take that long. So now what we're trying to do is upend the whole process and work with, um, uh, with the software. So that basically led to the development of this software uh, and, the, and the software products that we have. Okay. Yeah, and, and basically, you know, a, a, yeah, a, a, basically a big issue that you see in the industry is that, you know, whatever your particular silo may be, uh, you're you're looking at that particular aspect of things. So you may be looking at the electrical aspects or the mechanical aspects, the thermal aspects, whatever it may be. But the the problem in the industry was that uh, a failure is a failure. It, it doesn't matter if it's in your particular domain or in in something you're not an expert in. Uh, if that if if you're having board failures, uh, you're you're out of pocket. And uh, basically, your your project can't move forward. So that's where what we basically said was that we wanted to bring this product to the market so that the designer, the engineer, can have visibility over all of the key aspects that really matter. And uh, basically, they don't have to go in and try to develop their own background in in these other disciplines. And uh, it it basically enables a multidisciplinary approach for for folks even working within their particular domain of expertise. So, you know, a, a, an electrical engineer doesn't have to also be uh, an expert in mechanical engineering or material science, chemical engineering. They can just go in, uh, spec specify, you know, what are they looking at, put, put together a stack up and, and figure out, well, okay, is this going to work for all of my different requirements or not? And, you know, they, they'll, they, they'll be familiar with what the requirements are, but they won't necessarily have a good feel of well, how do I get there if I'm if I'm not there yet? And so, uh, it, 
The biggest thing was that, you know, in the semiconductor industry, they'd gone through this uh, process a a few decades ago. It became absolutely critical to have this, you know, software uh, based verification process. And so they'd run simulation. And uh, basically, that was a that was a key gate before you could ever move forward. Uh, But the PCV side didn't really have this. Uh, it, it, it didn't it didn't ever really happen on the PCB side. Uh, like Tharun said, they kind of accepted it as the, the cost of doing business uh, and they could kind of absorb those costs for a period of time. But over the past decade or so, it's it's gotten to the point where that's just not really practical. It's really become prohibitive. Uh, but you know without without a, without software solution, uh, mm-hmm. how are they going to really adopt this system level approach? And so, uh, the first step of that is for there to be, uh, be an alternate way to be a proper way to do it. And basically that's what we, uh, said to develop. And main reason that, you know, uh, a solution didn't come out in, in the past is that, you know, uh, the, the basic challenge with these kinds of problem with this particular problem, the, the PCB problem is that uh, it largely comes down to the fact that the materials are composites. Um, you know, with semiconductors, silicon is silicon. Uh, you know, the same same grade of silicon has the same properties every mm-hmm. time. Uh, but these dielectric materials, you can have something that you call material A, but it could have 40, 50, or 100 different configurations uh, in, in the prepregs and cores. And so... It's not feasible for for anyone to go in and uh, characterize each of those separate sets of properties. So you need sort of a, a different approach, uh, and that's that was key to what we what we built. And and now that you know this option is available, we're seeing a lot of customers are gravitating toward it because they do want that system level design approach. They don't want to be spending uh, you know significant amounts of time and money. Uh, building, respinning, and and dealing with all of that chaos, they'd much rather a cleaner process, and so that's where we kind of filled that need. Okay, I want to ask you more about that, but first, I want to toss it off to Lee and say Lee has been, <clears throat> excuse me, in high speed electronics forever, right? Always out on the leading or bleeding edge, and Lee. Why do you think that the semiconductors, as as Keshev said, Keshev said, it, it you know, hearing these words, characterization, modeling, simulation, at the material level is sort of mind blowing. Lee, you've been around that your whole life. Why do you think that is, and why is this? I know this is the first product you've ever endorsed in your career. Give us a, a hint of that, and then, Keshev, I'm going to come back to you and ask you some specifics about how the software works. Okay, Lee. To sort of add to what Keshev has said, uh, the reason the semiconductor industry did it and we didn't is, as an example, uh, the integrated circuits we put into the first terabit router, a, a mask set was a half a million dollars, just the mask set. Wow. And so if it's wrong, you get to do that again. And so cost drove that. Cost Mm. drove that. 
and uh, and we it was cheap to spin a board for a long time. It's not cheap anymore. As an example, uh, if if you build a server board, uh, the components on the board are often thirty or forty thousand dollars, just the parts. Forget what the board costs. And if it's wrong, right. you throw those in the garbage. So we we yeah. have reached a point where where finally we can't afford to be that careless. I mean, and the other number yeah. that is is not, and we're not good at our cost accounting. Uh, everybody ignores the fact that if, when you spin a board, everybody in the development team and sales and marketing sits on their hands while you get the next board. And you still have to pay them. Mm. That's a sunk cost. And I have often mm. used that to illustrate to my clients why it's right to do this extra work because it's economically a, a, a good bargain. And and that's what leads to me liking this tool because we need that as part of developing StackUp. Again, I have to do the StackUp now. The Fab Shop is not doing it. And uh, that means I'm in charge of manufacturability. That's via reliability. It's uh, all kind of things that have to do with how you build the board. And this tool helps with that. Well, you're right. And how many electrical engineers that are 40 years old know much about manufacturing these days. Like Lee, you and I have been around and, and Tarun, we've been around long enough that we had to go to plating rooms and talk to fabricators and stuff. But mm-hmm. now we have EEs laying out boards. And so there's all these layers of complexity that makes this a particular mess. But to your point, it's not cheap to respin a 32 layer board either, much less all the cost of the parts. So I see all the moving pieces. Well, I'm I'm really excited about this, and I've been watching you guys for a couple of years. Okay, Keisha, tell us a little bit without giving away your secret sauce, what Gauss is actually measuring. And you mentioned about the varying materials. So how, how does Avistech address all those variabilities in thickness, composition, <clears throat> and all those type of things. Exactly. The the biggest issue historically is, you know, even if you say there's an alternative way of, of doing simulation, uh, you know, and with, with some more traditional general purpose kind of approaches, the, the problem is always, uh, you know, where do you get the, the properties from? Even beyond, uh, you know, the the fact that those general purpose approaches aren't aren't well suited uh, to this kind of analysis, you know, if you do finite element analysis, it, you know, it can be a multi-year project. Uh, even if you know all of the inputs, have all the data, still going to take you a year to, to handle all of those issues. But, but that's, but that assumption that, you know, you have all the inputs, all of the data that, that I just use right there. Uh, I mean, how do you get it right? Because, uh, even if you're working with the, uh, materials vendors and and moving in that direction, you're not going to be able to characterize that because you know what are you going to do? Just uh, run every single configuration through uh, through materials testing. Uh, that's not practical. And even then, uh, there are a number of properties that simply cannot be 
uh, measured in any practical sense. I mean, so, mm. uh, you know, if, if, if some of these just in terms of, you know, the, the kind of samples you'd have to prepare, uh, it's just not something that you could, you could ever make. And, in, you in know, in each one might take you several months just to, just to fabricate, uh, and get the, get going in that direction. So it, it and you'd have to develop your own methods. So what we did was we looked at the problem in a, in a different way and we said, well, you know, how can we, how can we go in and take that mystery out of it, take it so that both sides of this challenge we address. We address the uh, the actual simulation side in terms of uh, you know how do you actually have a simulation environment that's able to give you results that are accurate and and provide those results quickly without you needing to have a PhD to set it up and <laughs> and interpret the results. Uh, but also at the other end, uh, how do you have something where the user uh, is only having to provide information that they know. Uh, you know, they, it's uh, if they just select, you know, this is the material I'm using, these are the constructions, put their stack up together, that should be it. They, they shouldn't need to tell me, uh, you know, what material A or B, what their properties are and all of that. And so that's where we built this, uh, you know, engine that, that extracts the properties uh, and and we've got that fully resident in our in our library, and so then it conducts these simulations and accounts for all of the all of the different configurations, all the different you know resin contents, glass styles, uh, and you know the each each individual resin, and then uh, basically figures out the properties layer by layer, uh, accounting for all of that uh, all of the different components. And then also at the board level, uh, basically accounting for all of those layers. Uh, and then we, once you have that, you can you can move for or you can move forward to the the real results that you actually care about, which we then uh, that's where we kind of take it to the to the next step with that. So as you guys have met with customers, <clears throat> um, well, first let me back up. Does your tool also take into considerations, uh, Lee had mentioned a microvia reliability, which is a thermal issue. Does it take into consideration the way materials behave in that respect too? Yeah. So it, that's exactly what we did. So what Keisha was talking about was, um, you know, how do we get to uh, the, the core which is, you know, the models for the materials. And that's what we take, and then uh, we kind of simulate the entire board. So properties may be available layer by layer, and they're limited, first of all. They're not accurate. Uh, but with what we've done with our modeling, uh, we've been able to do this, and we've been actually able to go back. So you'd be surprised that a number of uh, material suppliers are our clients uh, who are actually working to get their uh, their computations uh, uh, and their measurements verified by us. So that's what they do is they come to us and say, well, we want to measure these properties and how do we do that? So that's the kind of level of credibility we've Amazing. gained. But to your question about microbial reliability, thermal reliability, those are all built in. 
so mm. what happens is we simulate it. Let's say we have to simulate a thermal excursion. We'll do that. Thermal cycling. We'll do that. And then basically what it does is it's subjecting the board to those kind of conditions with the microvias, whether they're stacked or staggered. And then we just use the physics at that point in time to point out whether it's going to mm. work or not and how many cycles it will take. So those models have also been built by us. So in the case of microvias, there was a study done, I think, by IPC back in the 80s where they did round-robin testing for uh, for plate-to-through-hole reliability. And so that's something that was done like 30, 35 years ago. But there's nothing like that for microvias. And uh, what we had to do was actually build those models and built those so that they could be fairly accurate. And that's what we've seen with our customers, that they work very well. So the microwave, for instance, we say, if you've got stacked with this pitch, this kind of an excursion, uh, how many cycles are you going to get? And so we give a number, which they can then calibrate with their actual testing or the historical records that they have. And that's how we've kind of um, built um, uh, a lot of confidence with our customers. So like, like you know, microvia is a big deal. And like I said, there's nothing available in terms of models which you could use, but we actually help develop those and they're all resident in the software. That is amazing. We all, we all love and work with Jerry Partita at Summit. And um, I know he's like the evangelist about microvia reliability and sits on that. Um, have you guys worked together um, with Jerry on this function on a functional level? Oh, yes. I mean, uh, so we've worked with Jerry and maybe Keshav can speak to that because he's been interacting a lot with uh, Jerry and uh, Jerry's published a few papers uh, where he's actually mentioned our software or um, uh, you know, insights. From it. Yeah. Will you guys share that paper with me? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we can, we can certainly send that to you. Okay. That'd be great if you'd share that with me. Um, Keshav, did you want to add to that? Or the other thing I wanted to ask you about is kind of where the rubber meets the road. If you can, again, without, with protecting everybody's IP, if you can give us practical examples of where this has been helpful for your customers. Sure. Yeah. And so uh, uh, just to just to continue on, on the point you brought up with Jerry, I mean, Jerry's been been great to work with. He's been uh, he's been one of our early, uh, really very huh. early adopters. Uh, actually, we've been oh. uh, engaged with him for uh, pretty much since almost since the beginning. And uh, he's been a big uh, uh, a big you know, he, he's, he's not been, been too shy about talking about how much he likes our software too, but, uh, also he's been a, a big help in, uh, you know, giving us, uh, giving us more and more feedback in terms of, Hey, you know, it'd be great if you guys could also, uh, look mm -hmm. at this. And, and, you know, so he's been one of the really, uh, you know, helpful customers of ours, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, expanding what, what all we can do. Uh, and so, yeah, it's been, been great working with him and, and, you know, that's the whole thing, you know, the level of, of support we're seeing from the industry, uh, for this is, is, you know, largely a result of the fact that this is something where there was a pent up demand. I mean, people right. had been, 
people people in the industry they want they they've they've been wanting a you know a better way to approach these things and so when they see something uh come out they're they they see it as well this is my opportunity to help uh you know move this forward and help uh uh you know help basically improve the industry and that's what what i think you know all of us really are are, are trying to do so i mean to that end uh, to your to your other question about you know some some examples uh you know, one one example is you know there's a printed circuit board manufacturer. They licensed our software and been working you know very closely with us. So for them, you know, the biggest factor was microbio reliability, and and that was the biggest thing they were interested in. Uh, and so they wanted to be able to use our software to tell their customers if a design is going to be safe or not, and if it's not going to be safe, their hope was that they could then recommend. Uh, modifications that could be made, mm. uh, you know, either uh, if you if you have the ability to uh, increase the uh, increase the diameter here of your via, or if you can change to this prepreg instead of the one that you're using, whatever that recommendation may be, uh, that's what their goal was, and so uh, they they've they've adopted a new process where uh, anytime an order comes in. Uh, the first thing that happens is that it goes through Gauss stack, gets simulated, and then they engage with their customer uh, to fi- to tell them, well, this is okay, let's move mm. forward, or, or uh, you know, I, uh, I'm seeing red flags here. Uh, and they've said that historically, there'd be times when they'd get an order from a customer, uh, and their gut would tell them that, you know, this seems, this seems kind of iffy, I don't know if this is going to work. Um, but they had no way to validate their gut. Or, uh, or, or, or so there'd be times when maybe their, their gut is saying this seems risky, but I don't know. And maybe it was still okay. But the, but the main thing was that until they went to actually go and, and build it, uh, they didn't have any way to, to really validate that and determine what's, uh, what's real, what's not. Uh, and there'd be times when, you know, maybe they're, when they, uh, this was the other thing that, you know, when they would make, sort of their first, uh, you know, prototype lot of it just to, just to see, well, is it working, you know, make the coupons, uh, you know, they'd have a, they'd only do a couple or three, uh, it would, there'd be times when it would pass those coupons, but then when they go to actually build it, they might still see failures. And so they were really unhappy with this process. Uh, but now, uh, when they go and talk to their customer, uh, they're also not speaking just from their gut it's something that their customer mm. can also uh, take in and they say, okay, well, you know, they send, they send the results from the simulation. Uh, they say, you know, I'm not confident in this design because Gauss is predicting it's not going to survive your, your requirements. It's, maybe it's not going to survive the six reflows at 260 that you need. And their customer says, oh, okay, well, so what is the simulation saying? Mm-hmm. What's it saying it can survive? And then they say, okay, so then it, you know, is there a configuration that gets me over the line? And now the now the you know there's a lot of uh, contentiousness that's left this process, uh, and they're and they're basically able to move forward a lot faster uh, with designs that that really work. Uh, and they're they've they've had times when you know pro- projects that would have been halted for uh, you know inordinate amounts of time are able to move forward very quickly because they just go through, they find a, they find a, 
a better way of doing things. And so they're not running into these failures. And this uh, customer, they've done extensive validations on this and they're, they've been able to extend this to, to, you know, new insights like, you know, uh, that, you know, the impact of pitch, for example, uh, you know, wider, their gut was that, you know, wider pitch might be leading to higher reliability. Uh, but through their use of the software, they realized, well, no, it's actually the opposite. And the, the reason for that is that, uh, you know, the gut feeling is uh, more in line with what's happening to the dielectric, but the copper, the the vias themselves, they're actually getting more uh, more and more reliable. And so, that's one example uh, of you know of a customer. And I think Thadun had another that he uh, had in mind. Yeah, I think uh, the other one is um, uh, this was another use case. And um, uh, at the customer end, they were building these boards. Uh, and I just want to make sure that, uh, you know, everyone realizes that this is not on high-end design. This could happen on, you know, standard 10, 12-layer boards uh, and uh, not necessarily very high-layer count boards. So uh, these, they might, people might think they're plain vanilla designs, but this case study actually told us that, you know, um, uh, to, that you know, very subtle changes that people make on the stack ups could have major implications. Um, and in this case, what was happening was that the customer was seeing a pretty good solder joint reliability, and then suddenly, uh, on the next iteration, a minor change that they thought they made, they were getting only 50 cycles. So, kind of thought it might be warpage, and um. So asked us to kind of look at it and maybe we, when we did the, so that's the kind of stuff that we do when a customer approaches us, we do proof of concept first. And then once they become believers, that's when we kind of make a sell. Uh, but now it's kind of, that process is becoming kind of more, more uh, is shorter now because there's a lot more word of mouth out there. But uh, so we did that, those simulations found out that warpage shouldn't be it because it was just of the order of a few microns. It wasn't significant wow. enough to cause the kind of distortion that would cause these kind of failures. So, but our software was telling that the modulus, and that's something that people don't talk about in our industry is because modulus is kind of, why would you talk about modulus of a board? It should be kind of in the same regime as your laminate or prepreg, but it's a composite. Like Keisha said, you got copper, you got uh, resin, you got prepreg and uh, glass and all those things together. So we found out that their modulus had moved up by 25%, and that was exerting higher stress on wow. the solder joints, causing it to fail. And this was just adding two layers of two-ounce copper, uh, and uh, that basically did this because it made the board much stiffer, and that was exerting more st uh, stress on the solder joints. So the, then, of course, well, the conclusion was that they probably needed a you know uh, high shear strength uh, solder joint, high temperature solder, and then we also developed models for it. So kind of a, in the end, it addressed the problem. But this was discovered like eighteen months out uh, when the design was out for eighteen months because they started seeing these failures. Because you don't test for solder joint reliability when you build your boards; you test it for maybe plated through yes. holes you tested for uh, your electrical functions but then when when the rubber actually hits the road when you're making the production runs 
that's when they started seeing these kind of failures. So it was like 18 months down the road and then you just sent SWAT teams out there trying to address it, whereas this could be addressed. So it was a pretty satisfying case study for that us. That is really, and, I and always, you know, go ahead, Keshev. Sorry, go ahead. I was saying this is when engineers start playing whack-a-mole, right? Because yeah, it's, exactly. it's something that's out because we're like, oh, we're, we're at solder joints and, you know, and they, it's this and this and this, and they start hitting it. And then like Tarun said, and then it's like, don't everyone move. We got it to work. Okay. It passed. Right. And then, <laughs> and then to Lee's point, then the marketing people are like, finally. And, and this whole crazy cycle starts again. I'm sorry, Keisha, what we're going to say, and then I want to wrap up with Lee. Uh, no, so I, I was just saying that you know, and that's that's the big thing that uh, it, it's a, a lot of the a lot of our customers kind of come to us when when they're ha when they're in that mode, you know, where where they've uh, you know first had a crisis, uh, but now of course we're seeing more and more people who are are saying, well, you know, why don't I just go to a better way of doing things? Uh, because as as that word of mouth is is spreading, and and so I mean, you know. On the thermal side, uh, the reliability issues, those have been a big thing. But we've also had, you know, uh, some some folks who uh, are coming to us for for things like uh, skew failure. I mean, there was a there was a customer who uh, had basically been dealing with with their skew problems by kind of restricting themselves to, uh, uh, you know, one particular material and, and two different glass styles within that material. Uh, because they had they'd done hundreds of, of uh, you know uh, different design tests on on those uh, particular configurations, uh, but of course that process uh, you know that's very restrictive, and so they were they were now getting to the point where uh, this just wasn't practical for them to continue. And so, just as as another example, on the, the signal integrity also is is a is a major thing, and so they. Uh, they were looking for a solution and, and couldn't find anything, but they came across us. And so they, they got the software just, just for this particular purpose, because that was the issue they were facing. And so they found, you know, within, within a couple of percent of accuracy, uh, we were, we were matching up with the, with the data that they had. And, and then, uh, so now they've adopted a, this as, as sort of their new process that, you know, they'll simulate with Gauss, uh, and figure out well. Okay, uh, am I going to have skew failures, or, or am I going to have skew problems, or not? And uh, is this going to be within my skew budget? And so they're able to iterate through, and and that's where you know uh, I, I just wanted to bring up that example as well. Uh, and and then the other point that I just wanted to make was that you know uh, that's of course uh, all the folks on. Uh, you know, dealing with with issues that where where Gauss stack uh, is is really what they need. Uh, but then, you know, back to, to Lee's original point also, which is, uh, even at the, at the basic level, uh, you know, every designer, uh, really should be able to handle, uh, the, uh, the impedance side of things, relying on their vendors to, to do that for them is, uh, is becoming less and less practical for them to, to, to do. And so, uh, that's where, you know, just to, uh, another point to bring up is uh, another piece of software that we're that we've uh, just launched is uh, it's called Gauss PCB, and that's where we've we've developed something that allows you allows every 
every designer to basically be able to go in, you know, at a, at a, at a price point that's, uh, that's, you know, reasonable for, for them to adopt as well. Uh, and they can go in, put together stack ups and, and handle the, uh, their impedance requirements, the, the, you know, the, the basics that are really important, uh, so we've we wanted to democratize that as well. So I just wanted to to make sure to to mention that that you know as as Dunn said, of course, uh, Gauss Stack. It's not only for the fo- for the folks dealing with really high layer count designs, uh, but our but Gauss PCB is is for is for the folks who are who are even working on uh, you know what might be uh, you know fairly uh, typical standard kind of designs. But even then, you you need some some environment that has the the basic data you need, uh, the ability to run impedance, uh, and and then you know uh, look at loss things like that. And so uh, I just wanted to to mention that as well. I mean, who knew that all of these issues like mechanical stability, warpage, signal integrity, probably power integrity thermal things would all come down to having really good insight proactively to your stack up, which is why I keep my eyes on you guys. And I know you're going to be at design con and I really enjoyed this conversation and I, and I want to talk more. Um, and I know I'll be seeing you at the show. So I'm excited about that. I wanted to bring it back to Lee and say, um, Lee, I know you're going to be with the Obvious Tech team at DesignCon, and you're going to be giving mini tech sessions. So first, I want to hear about your mini tech sessions so people can plug into those. And, and then I'm going to share links in the, in the show notes for booth number and all that. And then, Lee, I'd like you to take us out and give us like the elevator pitch of why Obvious Tech, Gauss Tech, doing this work proactively, what's that going to do for design engineers? Well, the mini sessions that we're going to be doing are basically uh, an expansion of what I started out with here, namely talking about how we have done things in the past and why that doesn't work anymore because of the additional demands on a stack up uh, that uh, a fabricator could never help you with. And the purpose of that is to con- convince engineers that you got to learn. You got to learn how to do the stack ups. You because you you're the only one who can account for the things the fab shop does not know how to do. And in once you've taken that responsibility, yeah, you you're responsible for the boards being the right impedance. And this is the very first reason people object to this is well, if they're the wrong impedance, it's my fault. I can't give them back. Well, that's actually the easy part. That's the easy part. Uh, uh, it's the other things that uh, you, you you have to make sure you get right. And, and Keisha mentioned one, which is skew. And so because all those things are, are signal integrity driven, they have to be dealt with by the design engineer. And so the manufacturability, which the fab shop used to take care of, no longer sits there. It sits on the desk of the design engineer who has to worry about resin flow and and be a reliability and all those things. Uh, in other words, get get some skill at manufacturability. And of course, I've been in probably 250 fab shops, so I got a good idea how that all works. Design engineers don't get to do that. So this tool, yeah. this tool, I would I, I kind of look at it. It audits my stack up to see if I got it right. Mm-hmm. 
that's what it does. It audits that and tells me, uh, is there enough resin in the prefrag? Is, uh, there, there's a variety of things that it tells you, Z-axis expansion, all those things that you got to know about. And uh, this tool points those things out to you if they're not what they should be so you can adjust things before you build the board. As I said earlier, yeah. if you, probably the saddest example I can can cite in recent years is we had a client who wanted to fabricate prototypes in the U.S. and build volume in Asia, and we didn't want a handoff problem, so we picked ISU Pedasys, who has a fab shop in Southern California and one in Korea, <coughs> and we did a great job of getting the prototypes all working correctly done and shipped off the design to Korea and with the confidence that we had it right and, and we get released an order for 400 boards and when we got back none of them worked none of them worked this was a, this was a server card with gosh no I don't know $20,000 worth of parts on each board scrapped Ouch. the entire order because of because of oh an error in the stack up as it was handed off. I mean, we had it right here, but the, if oh. the shop in, in Asia had had this tool, they would not have made mm. the change they made that caused this failure. Amazing. It yeah, was, those are the kind of things. Yeah. So what you're saying then, Lee, is that you get that proactive insight that like will save your bacon like on a hundred different levels mm -hmm. like that's huge and of course i it, it, when i can i tell my students that you need to have a direct link with the manufacturing engineer at the fab shop so you can bounce off those people what you want to do well very few engineers have that they don't that's have true that. and there's a variety of reasons. i always say yeah yeah, there's, they don't have that much of the fab shop that I do. And so that this tool is a substitute for that. Which is great because who has the time these days? But um, I just love that it stops them from playing whack-a-mole later, you know, and just yeah. crossing their fingers and toes and hoping it ends up good in the end. And, you know, nobody wants to do that. So I think that's why I'm... I'm really watching you so closely and your customers. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I'm positive our listeners um, have too. I'm looking forward to seeing y'all at Design Con. And I actually didn't know you guys were that connected to Jerry Partita because he's my go-to guy. So that's really good. Will you please send me his paper and then I'll get your booth and all of that so we for can sure. uh, send our listeners to more resources. Well, the Jerry thing for me is he was one of my students starting about 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so so uh, if if there's anything that is not what you might want it to be, blame it on me. I've been his coach for a long time. Okay, well, I'm going to blame it on you. <laughs> but I always go to you too. So I, I, I feel like, okay, good. I, I have all the right people in my circle. Well, mm -hmm. again, thank you guys. Yeah. Um, have a great show. Um, and I'll make sure, is there anything else you wanted to share with me before I let you go? I know you're so busy. 
No, I think that yeah, I think we covered. that covers it. Th- thanks, Judy. This was this was excellent, and uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing you at DesignCon. Okay, here we are. Thank you all for our, li- right. for our right. listeners. I hope you've really enjoyed this insightful conversation, and you're as excited about this technology as I am. I'm going to put lots of resources for you in the show notes, so make sure you go check that out, and make sure you go if you're at DesignCon. Make sure you go over and see Lee and Tarun and Keshev at their booth and, and see, you can see, I'm sure the software there and see it in action. So thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time. Until then, remember to stay connected to the ecosystem. 